Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Looking for Love and All the Wrong Dust Jackets, a show where three cool friends talk to you about anything that we want in romance, whether that's books, movies, TV shows, whatever we like. My name's Liz. I'm Danny. I'm Wiggles. And welcome to the show. Today, we're going to talk to you about a classic, an old favorite, something everybody loves, the movie The Princess Bride. But before we get to the movie, we got to do the warning so that everybody knows and nobody gets upset. We are crass ladies. We're going to swear. We're going to talk about the sexy time. Probably not much in this movie, but in other episodes. And if you don't like that, I get it. But maybe you're not going to like us. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Miss you so much. Uh, But what have you guys been up to? Talk to me about the last week. What have you been reading, watching? listening to etc so i've been listening to the audiobook for the fourth wing i've just started it but i've been listening to that and then i stereotypically at this point went down a gray's binge and then i played hogwarts legacy a lot and raft i kind of had a video game centric weekend when i was not bowling with you bitches fair enough uh i read how to marry a millionaire vampire by carolyn sparks it's i think it's probably closer to carolyn but it's k-e-r-r-e-l-y-n so anyway so uh miss sparks kind of did me a little dirty because (laughs) the first half of this book is great it's funny it's like bizarre and a little bit hot even when in the weirder moments and you're like oh this is really like this is what i needed i just needed a fun romp kind of thing and then it just gets weird and not great and sexist and oh jesusy oh yeah (laughs) how does a book about marrying a millionaire vampire get jesusy well um so every vampire's got you know not every but just about every vampire story has like this history historic thing where they're like i'm a thousand years old right Uh well this one's 500 years old and he was a monk before he was killed and so he believes god abandoned him and she has to like convince him that like no god hasn't abandoned i was so mad because it was so good and then i was like this is getting weird yeah and i would not enjoy jesus-y vampire book no no well and okay so like it had a very convoluted plot at the from the very beginning like without spoiling pretty much anything she is um in the witness protection program because she saw she witnessed a mob hit right like you do and so then that sort of like intermingles with the vampire story and you're like oh like this is this is a lot, but like it'll. This is fun, right? Because they're like running around, crazy antics. She's like, "You're gonna murder me," and he's like, "I'm not gonna murder you." And then she's like, "Oh, I'm safe with you." And she, then she's like, "Whoa, bitch, you are a vampire." But then also on top of it, she's a dentist, and so their meeting happens because he loses a tooth doing some stupid shenanigans, and he needs 
somebody to reinsert it before midnight or, or not before midnight before dawn because he'll heal and if he heals up he won't be able to get the tooth back in so it's like okay this is a bit of a mess but it's a fun mess and then it just goes if he heals couldn't she just cut him back open and put the tooth in no that's not how it works oh, also couldn't okay. he just shove it like, up there and- for a human being also like if you're if you were to like lose your tooth and it would heal over yeah you could have an implant yeah but you don't i don't know if that would work with a retractable tooth which is what vampires have i don't some know some do some don't i'm not a dentist yeah. listen <laughs> also not an expert on vampire I, anatomy despite the amount of books and tv shows that right yeah consumed anyway i'm not gonna talk about this book more because it doesn't deserve it <laughs> i gave it a three for the first half for the first half yeah okay i read assistant to the villain by hannah nicole mayer mayer i listened to it actually on yield audiobooks which was unfortunate because the narrator um was definitely not one of my favorites there's no audiobook daddy no she had like a way of it just was a very unnatural speech pattern that felt very like you know when you go and you listen to somebody who's like, I don't know, a pastor or something, the way they t- give sermons, it it sounds almost unnatural the way they talk sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I didn't like the book. So there's that. Uh, it's not that I didn't like it. I did technically give it a three. But it's for an adult book written at a much lower reading level and like Oh. it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to have that like contemporary voice but in a, a medieval setting or maybe that wasn't intentional but it in the way that like some comedies adult cartoons or like comedy movies will be contemporary but set in medieval times and that's part of the humor and ha- i had high hopes for it it looked really fun and it kind of crashed and burned on me yeah you know i've been seeing some of that around tiktok that that's kind of gotten mixed reviews this Mm. book Mm -hmm. yeah i really struggled with the characters because they on paper had interesting backstories but they didn't come across as like they kind of just came across flat oh yeah yeah Yeah, i hate that Mm -hmm. we're like in theory this should be wonderful yeah, you had all of the right elements. They just didn't come together, right? Which is a bummer. Uh, but then I also read Serpent and Dove by Shelby Maharan. And I really liked that book. I gave it a 4.5. Um, the reason I didn't give it a 5 is just because there are some elements that were... I was like, man, maybe that could have been fleshed out a little bit more. But the book is also over 500 pages, so I get it. Uh, but it's about a... It's, it's set in this like gothic French kind of vibe, but it's not in any place we would recognize it's a fantasy and it's about a witch who ran away from her coven and then by random circumstance ends up being married to a witch hunter and he doesn't know she's a witch so it's it's very interesting it's got that whole forced marriage forced proximity um vibe i do weirdly like that i do too like i I don't (laughs) as as an independent single woman i don't want to like the like forced marriage trope or whatever or forced proximity trope but i really fucking do for whatever reason i'm like god damn it danny <laughs> i like it too yeah but that's because you know you're gonna get that happy ending like True. i wouldn't like it in real life because the the odds are it won't be a happy ending oh yeah no the odds are i'm gonna punch somebody in the throat yeah. but 
Like an arranged marriage in reality is horrific. It's like, whoa, no. To I, us, there are some people who sure, 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 sure. I'm talking about my perspective. Yes, you do whatever you want to do. Um, but when it comes to like thinking about it in like in practice, I've never met this person before in my life, and now I'm stuck with them in uh-huh. my house in my space. We're supposed to do the do. No, no, I w- I would murder that person. Yeah. My aspect of it is I don't like people enough that like for me to be able to like, yes, I will marry you even though I don't know you. That's horrible. I already don't like people to an extent. I love you guys. I love our people. That's about it. I don't <laughs> really like people all that much. <laughs> I will say one thing about that this book though, sorry, random, but just because you were talking about the Jesus-y, the witch hunters do follow the like it not it's not Christian in the book, but it is God in the way that we would think of like a Christian God. Mm-hmm. Um in the whole like thou shalt not suffer a witch and crap like that. Um but it is really interesting. And down with uh, pretty much every institution in this book, they just kind of are like the witch covens are bad and culty. The church is bad and culty. The kingdom is bad and self-serving. Take it all down. (laughs) So if you're anti-establishment, that's great. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. I still can't get over a a Bible thumping vampire. Yo. That would take me out immediately. He he gifts her. This is a spoiler if you do want to read it. Um, he gifts her a silver cross to protect herself from other vampires and himself. And is somehow, he Angel from Buffy? Just wait. <laughs> somehow, her love for him allows him to touch it at the end. No. Oh, ew. <laughs> no. no. Immediately no. Okay, but we're not going to keep talking about that because we're talking about The Princess Bride today, which I do love. So I believe Danny has some fun facts for us. I do have a couple of fun facts. Um, one is, you know, Andre the Giant's in it. I love him. He's amazing. But they had to be incredibly fragile with him at this point in his life. He was very delicate. Like the scene where you see him holding Buttercup, he's not. They were holding her up. He had his arms around her, but he was not holding her up. He was not bearing her weight. Um, and then the one that always gets me and like knowing this when you watch the scene makes so much sense is when um the six-fingered man hits wesley in the head with the the base of the sword and yes. he goes unconscious he actually knocked carrie Gar- olsen unconscious knocked him the fuck out and the noise <laughs> gets me every fucking time well isn't it because carrie said hey just hit me and he's like all right i'll hit you for real and then he he really yep. hit, he hit him real good all oh, like Oh, God. And it's it's the noise for me. Like, knowing that that was real, I'm like, oh, God. The instant headache that I, I feel like I would get from that moment. Ugh. Funny thing about it is that he every time I watched that before knowing that fact, I was just like, he falls so unnaturally. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that, um, no, I was wrong. That's how he naturally falls. Um, yeah. Well, and that's how we don't realize what people actually naturally look like when they do fall like that right because we're only exposed to what we like normally see faked in the media exactly right well and then i have one more fun fact and it's about mandy patankin right plays indigo um and that whole thing where he's constantly saying you know hello my name is indigo matea you killed my father prepare to die he was talking um he was picturing his father had just he just lost his father to cancer and he was picturing speaking to cancer 
mm-hmm. about losing his father. And that's why it's so emotional. There was a big thing on TikTok about that, I want to say about a year ago, maybe two mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. where this girl who had lost her father had talked to, about how that was one of her favorite movies or whatever. Just thinking like she's just talking about one of her favorite movies and that moment meaning a lot more to her now that her dad has passed and then he responded to it and it was like mm-hmm. hella <laughs> emotional oh, i yeah, was like no, I... I just came on here for the laughs and you are attacking me right now it was very much a moment for me of i'm not crying you're crying right who's cutting up all those damn onions yeah fucking onions <laughs> how'd you get in my house with those onions oh my I god how many people knowing that i'm sitting there bawling at tiktok although the hell's Bells series had made me has made me cry like that a couple times didn't mandy patinkin also say that this was his favorite role of all time in ego i believe so yeah i think so i could see it it'd be a lot of fun well they uh, so here's a fun a couple fun facts that i know um uh both the actors in the in the main sword fight learned actual sword fighting for it um, and had a very particular like routine and everything to do. So they, they had to go through like sword fighting training, which I thought was really cute. Are you talking about Wesley and Inigo and their sword mm-hmm. fight? Mm-hmm. Apparently they wanted like to be able to do full body shots and so they didn't want to have stunt people. And sure. So yeah. That's how that happened. Also, thing about Andre the Giant has said some things along the lines of like the part of the reason he liked working on the movie so much is because people just treated him like a normal person, Mm. which is very sad. It is really sad. But if you think about Andre's life in like professional wrestling, that was his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Is you are big. That's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. The, the thing that matters about you. Right. I saw a thing on TikTok not too long ago and it was talking about the different, it was talking about the princess ride, but pointing out the different class and how everyone just assumes that um, Fezzik is a barbarian. He's a big, strong guy. But if you actually think, like, stop to think about it, he will not fight if he can. He likes word games and he likes to talk to everybody. He ha- he can get everybody to move in with just the sound of his voice. He's a fucking bard. And I was like, that actually makes so much sense. <laughs> it's like stupid how much sense that made to me. <laughs> and it cracked me up. I'm like, oh my God, Fessick's a bard and it just makes him better. Anybody want a peanut? Story feels a little bit like somebody's like D&D campaign. It, you can kind of like point out like... Oh, this is the the like obviously Vincini would be a wizard, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, not not a good one. No, not a good one. No, <laughs> not a good one, one that is constantly rolling natural ones. Right, Wesley. I, you could put him in a few different things, but I would assume fighter or rogue or rogue. rogue. Well, rogue I figured you I would give trying. that to Anigo, but either yeah, yeah. Anyway, point being, like you could the the also just the way the lines are delivered and everything <laughs> it feels very in that vein mm-hmm. i'm going to talk a little bit about the book that it's based off of which oh, is yeah. called it's based the princess bride book, yes which it is. i love and have read mm-hmm. i have not uh you should um it, it's it's different enough that it's worth mm-hmm. the read oh, okay. um and to to the extent that like the whole thing where you know the grandpa's reading to his grandson yeah um it's got meta moments like that in yeah. it but it's not that it does not have the the grandpa and the son yeah it doesn't it doesn't have the grandpa and the son but there's definitely definitely moments where he has he puts meta moments in it and you're like yes what is happening right now right <laughs> So the the premise of the book is that so the author William Goldman has has uh, a, a 
annotated and edited um <laughs> this book the princess bride and uh I think the original title was even like, but just the good parts or something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so you've got like this, uh, this whole thing where it, he'll like occasionally chime in and he'll be like, yeah, I wrote this for my, or I, I wanted to edit this because I used to read this to my daughters when they were sick um, and things like that, which is interesting because the, the original book was written for his daughters as well. Like, mm. right. But also there's these just really funny moments that are like, so so when Wesley and Buttercup finally get back together, we're denied this like big romantic moment, right? Yeah. And he's like, I actually have access to that chapter. <laughs> and so if you send money to this account <laughs> it's this is hilarious. Uh I was just I remember reading it and being like, no one else knows what's going on. <laughs> But also, just as much as this movie's got snark, the line delivery in the book is even more vicious. So I'm going to go ahead and jump to um, the part where Wesley and Buttercup do get back together and reunite. Mm -hmm. And so, like, she says, well, and you can die too for all I care and pushes him down the hill, right? Yeah. In the movie, we see Wesley falling and he's saying, as you wish, all that, right? In the book... (laughs) buttercup hears that even though that's not what he's saying the whole time he's like don't come down here (laughs) she jumps off anyway and he's like why would you do that (laughs) i was like this is uh it's so hard to watch the movie now um and not tell everybody about this (laughs) anyway i would recommend checking that out the book is very good i will i do say i distinctly remember i was reading the book while I was at work when I worked at the TV station mm. and I had to like put it down because, hey, you know what? There's a TV show going on that you're part of. I was running the teleprompter. How rude of them. God damn. I have to read the fucking script and put it where like people can see it. Ugh, do your own teleprompter. Anyway, but I was just <laughs> I finished it like right at the end towards the end of the show when I did wasn't really needed anymore they were doing their little quippy shit and I like instantly pick up the book again and like finished it and was like what the fuck because <laughs> that has a, a strange ending it does but we won't spoil it no let's talk about the movie shall we yeah let's uh we're pretty late but do we need to do a summary of the movie I mean Here's the thing. I think this might be the one where we don't. I agree. It would be very strange if you hadn't seen this yet. Though, to be fair, I didn't watch this until I was in college. Nah, you had to have Uh watched it in high school with Uh us. We didn't watch this in high school. Yes, we did. We did? Yes. This was the alternate to UHF. Was it? How did you get through all your high school experience never seeing it? See, and I started seeing this when I was in elementary school because my bestie, her dad was like, Shut up, both of you. We're watching The Princess Bride. Mm. And we were like, cool, let's do this. I mean, it's possible that I watched it in high school, but when you get to your 30s, the difference between 17 and 19 mentally isn't much. That's no. That's so bad. I'm like, I don't know. Well, okay. Um, I'll give the briefest of rundowns. If you haven't seen this movie, obviously spoilers are in effect. I've already spoiled some stuff. Uh, but... 
The basic premise is that this grandfather comes to babysit his grandson while he's homesick and chooses to read to him one of his favorite books from when he was a kid, The Princess Bride. Um, And he proceeds to start telling him this story about giants and monsters and bad guys and heroes. And we get to have these beautiful moments where we actually get to hear him reading over the top of it, but then it blends into the scene. And you've got political intrigue, you've true love. Yeah, I just, I don't... True love. I think that's all I'm going to give you. Either go check it out or have it spoiled for you. I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) It's like an hour and a half of your time. You'll be fine. There are very delightful moments in the movie where the since we were talking about the narrator where the narrator is doing you know talking and stuff and then you'll hear his grandson chime in one of my favorite ones is um see i told you wesley wasn't something i told you wesley wasn't dead (laughs) yes yes you're very smart shut up (laughs) or oh is this a kissing book right (laughs) i also love the grandpa's response of you know someday you might not mind so much And to me, Um, that's the meme, right? Like, if you told the little kid me the same thing, you would have been right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Probably number three. Well, I suppose that's something that we haven't talked about a little bit, is that this is a this is a grade A cult classic. Oh, yeah. Um, a, its original release did not do well. And now it's become the, such a, like, cultural icon that I think it was, like, five or some, a li- around five years ago that they did this, like, whole, like, 25th anniversary thing. Yeah. Let me... Let me just look up when it came out. 1987. It came out, I was going to say it came out the okay. year I was born. So that would make now 25 years. So 20 no. years ago. or the twenty, They got together for the 20th anniversary. No, it would make it 35 right now. I don't know math. Make it's it just how old right she now. is. <laughs> it would make it 36 I right don't now. know math. oh my god anyway and you bitches were not alive when it came out actually i don't think i was alive when it came out i think it came out a couple of months before i was born but yeah i guarantee you even if you've never watched this movie before you have heard it quoted to you at some point oh there's so many lines from this movie that are just everywhere everything i mean there's of course as you wish there is my name is Inigo Matoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Anybody mm-hmm. want a peanut? <laughs> no more rhyming. I mean it. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? I love that so Inconceivable. much. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Right? Um, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like a mutton, lettuce, tin tomato when the mutton is nice and lean. <laughs> so The tomatoes, they're so perky. Mm. <laughs> Right? Like, I could quote the, the whole yeah. podcast He's could just be me quoting the dead. movie. I'm on the bird squad. You are the bird squad. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah. Well, There's apparently, a here's another little gem of a fun fact for you. That whole scene with Billy Crystal, mm-hmm. um, that was where uh, um, Manny Patinkin retained his only injury because he apparently bruised his ribs trying not to laugh in the scene. Really? Yes. <laughs> How do you bruise your ribs? I trying don't not know. To laugh? <laughs> holding it in. Oh, just no. holding it. Just the clenched muscle. Just <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's like holding in a sneeze or something, which can seriously hurt your ribs. Oh, Mandy. Unlike 
poor Carrie, who hurt himself, I think, frequently on the set. I don't remember exactly how the story went, but there was something about like him breaking his toe or something like that and having to go to the doctor and he's in full costume, right? Mm-hmm. And then like the the injury he sustains where he gets like conked on the head, he has to go back to that same doctor that same day, still wearing the fucking Zorro costume. <laughs> Can you imagine having to explain yourself? Like, listen, I swear... <laughs> I think not I'm being paid to do this. <laughs> the doctor's like, that's not better. I'm pretty no. sure he burned himself as well when the flame spurt went off and her dress light up. I think I think so. he burned himself too. Yeah. That's what you get for putting real flames next to people. I don't think her dress was actually supposed to start on fire. Probably not. Probably not. One of my favorite parts of the whole movie is in the the what is it? Why can't the fire, the fire swamp? swamp? Fire swamp. Yes. Why? Why does my brain do those things? I don't know. But uh, the R O U S S. God, that that line where she's like, "We'll never survive," and he's like, "No nonsense." And he like goes on the spiel like, "We've already figured out how to deal with all this." And she's like, "What about the R O U S S?" And he's like, "I don't think they exist." Immediately attacked. Yeah. <laughs> Rodents of unusual size. I don't think they exist. I don't think they exist. There's so many good one-liners in it. Um, the what made me think of this is, you know, we'll never survive. Nonsense. You only say we will never survive because no one ever has. Right. Yeah. And then my favorite one in the entire fucking movie is you mock me. Uh, you mock my pain. Life is pain, Highness. Uh, anyone who tells you otherwise is selling something. I that stuck with me. It has to adulthood. I gotta say. I was like, oh, God, that hit kind of deep. Well, as much as this movie is funny and lighthearted and kind of silly, there are some not necessarily serious moments, but moments if you just kind of like take a beat, you can really get into them Mm -hmm. um, in more of a serious way. And I just like Inigo himself as a character is a very sad character. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. But he's also the most relatable He's a guy who's just, you know, out here doing some shit to pay the bills, as he says, uh, because there's no money in the vengeance game. And I'm like, I feel that. I mean, I'm not here for vengeance, (laughs) but I I feel the idea of like, I'm just stupid. I'm just working with a stupid guy to pay the bills while I also try to do this thing on the side that I really want to do. At the end of the day, bills got to be paid. (laughs) I got to eat. Every millennial has had a Vicini for a boss. Every single one. Oh, my God. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Oh my god, he's so ridiculous. And like all the timing in this movie, honestly, for most everyone, is super perfect when they're delivering the lines. Mm. It's my favorite thing for him is when he he's laughing because you know you never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Ah ha ha, ah ha ha, ah ha, and then he falls over dead, and it kills me every single fucking time. I also love that Fezzik and uh inigo are very clearly smarter than vicini oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and they're just like well i don't know that's what the boss said well an- another classic quote is you keep using that word i do not think it means what you think it means <laughs> <laughs> and just all the like little moments like oh if we only had a holocaust cloak <laughs> Fezzik pulls one out of his shirt like this. Where did you get that? Okay, I've always wondered, but I've never actually just turned on the subtitles. Does he say Holocaust cloak? Yes, because a Holocaust, the actual definition of the word Holocaust is an immense conflagration, a big fire. Ah, yeah. So he means a big cloak that you can set on fire? Yeah. Hmm. 
He basically mm. is asking for a fireproof cloak. Thank you, Mash, for that lovely vocabulary lesson. Oh, yeah. the more you know. Learning. I also love that he's like, what I wouldn't do for a wheelbarrow. And they're like, didn't we have one back with that uh, albino over there? And he's like, why didn't you list that among our assets from the beginning? <laughs> Just like so annoyed. Like, this is obvious, guys. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he can't do anything because he can't right. move it all at that point. <laughs> I, uh, there's so many quotable things about this movie. <laughs> them walking down the hallway together when he... Like, is holding on to him. Like, how much times did they have to start giggling trying to do that? Where he's just, like, slightly walking along but leaning almost all his weight on Mandy Patinkin mm. as they're walking down the hallway. This is sort of before the, like, onslaught of showing people your bloopers. There must be thousands. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Of hilarious bloopers from this movie. And Humperdinck. Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Humperdinck is ridiculous in every sense of the word. Like every time he talks, I'm like, I can't take you seriously. I love him um, because for me, I think he was the blueprint for Gaston and, and villains like him where they're just like so thick. They're obviously evil and are capable of doing terrible things, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. he very much is planning to not just murder his bride, but start a whole war. But also at the same time, it's freaking hilarious. Like one of my favorite lines, and this is not one that most people are like, when I tell them that they're like, really? But <laughs> right before they like when they uh tumble down the hill right and he's mm-hmm. like they disappear and humperdinck's like what the hell he goes they're panicking into era <laughs> i don't know why that makes me laugh every time he's panicking into era <laughs> still a delivery i guess it, the delivery makes me laugh every single time too yes uh that's also just a really great scene when they're tumbling down the hill because all i can think is all right uh Wesley got rid of everybody. He took out the Spaniard. He took out the giant. He took out the Sicilian dumbass. And yet he just gets pushed down a down a hill by Buttercup. Yep. <laughs> also, the fact that they did not try to pretty up the falling. No. Because like they could have prettied up her fall where she just kind of like spun sideways, which if any of us had like jumped, the smart thing to do would have been to lay down and just roll down the hill log roll it yeah log roll down the hill but that is not what happened and they ass over tea kettled down that entire fucking hill and the noises that they make they're like (laughs) yeah like oh god it kills me every time i'm like why didn't you do this like log roll it like we could i could have done that if you're gonna try to get down the hill and get down quickly like, is it going to still hurt if you log roll your ass down that hill? Probably, but like not quite the same. Well, also Buttercup did not have to dive down the hill. She could have just ran down the damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. There, at no point did, was the way she went down the hill required. No. 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 <gasps> but uh, then how would you have the line, you're alive. If you want me to, I could fly. I know. It's <laughs> what, actually one of my favorite like lovey-dovey moments of all time. Well, since we're talking about it, let's talk about the romance. What do you guys think of our Buttercup and Wesley? I mean, they were my standard for a while, if we're I being completely honest. That's the dream, isn't it? To just be able to boss somebody around and then still be <laughs> in love with you? Or is that just me? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike a lot of even mid- medieval like romance movies and stuff like that, they go through the trials together. They do mm-hmm. go through the fire swamp together. Like, is he doing the vast majority? Yes. However, she is also learning along the way how to deal with the situations and everything. Um, I did really love their depiction of her when she 
is out like when they announce that she's marrying the prince and he goes out and she walks out into the courtyard or whatever and you can just see she is dead inside Mm -hmm. she wants nothing to do with this but wesley's dead so what the fuck else am i gonna do because in the time period and i'm doing that in quotation marks because they really don't tell you what time period it is Mm -hmm. but it's clearly set in like medieval times in like a fantasy thing women didn't have a lot of choices as far as you know marriage was concerned or whether or not to get married and everything and obviously her family this would elevate her family quite a bit well and if i remember right in the book and it's i read this in high school so i'm also like only really remembering the highlights yeah Um, same i was in my early 20s and i don't remember all of it obviously yeah but if i remember right in the books she book uh she is also under pressure like she hides out and like tries to hide from the prince i don't remember if it's like her house specifically or just her whole village is threatened like if she doesn't yeah she is do this it's she's obligated to do it and she tells him outright i do not love you i never will love you this is never going to be a thing and he's like i'm fine with that and yeah so she like goes into the marriage um fully being like bro this isn't gonna ever be a thing and he's like that's cool marry me anyway so i like you don't get to know that in the movie but i I feel like that context is sort of implied that like she had to have told him like this isn't gonna be it yeah no i i I don't know if she did or didn't i don't think he would have cared either way no you know absolutely not uh i do wish it was in there though that she is she's obviously coerced into this but like that that there is a stake where she couldn't run away because there is a lot of moments where i'm like girl just run away Go back home to the farm. Go somewhere else. Well, the other thing I, I'm I'm remembering now, like it's just all kind of coming back to me in little waves here. But uh, also, Humperdinck, he specifically is choosing to marry someone of the Commonwealth. Like the, he could easily yeah. marry royalty. But he's yeah. choosing to marry someone from the Commonwealth to like be like, look at me. I like accept all people because I think he is actively trying to take the crown from his father who has yes. a dad his parents are st- uh, his, i think his parents both his parents are still alive yeah. in the book yeah they are in the movie they are in the movie he's mm-hmm. but his father's like actively dying and he in the movie it's more that he's chosen that somebody that absolutely everybody in the kingdom just fucking loves right because buttercup super sweet although that she's really not portrayed that way in the beginning she's just being a bossy boots to wesley mm-hmm. which i'd bossy his boots i never got Sorry, circling back to the love, which we were talking about. I never really got the warm and fuzzies off of that. And I know I'm probably the odd one out. I love this movie for like the comedy and the Mm -hmm. silliness of it. The romance to me is kind of like, it's there. I like it because it's not pretty. A lot of love stories, especially when they're like a knight in shining armor and a princess and that kind of stuff, which technically neither of them really are, but they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're that trope anyway. For sure. A lot of the time, it's all trussed up in everything between us is always perfect. And the it's just this obstacle in our way. But if it weren't for this obstacle, we would have the perfect happy life. And it's like, no, we, I mean, like we fight. Yeah. <laughs> that bitch bossed me around for two years straight like come on i do like that they fight too and everything but i also love his explanation of where he's been gone the entire time and how his her his love for her the true love for her kept him alive all this time because a pirate was just like hmm okay all right 
Have a good day, Wesley. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. I love that. <laughs> dread pirate Roberts. No one, no one would surrender to the dread pirate Wesley. I think that's uh, if I ever get to the point of being in a marriage, that's probably what I'll say at every night. I'll be like, "Good night, Wesley. I'll most likely kill you in the morning." <laughs> As you wish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, that's the dream right there. What do you guys think of the as you wish? I was always confused how it went from I w- as you wish to I love you. But like, as I got older, I kind of understand it a little bit more. Like, what do you mean? Well, I just, I get how you, it's kind of meant to mean that like the intentions of what necessarily you're saying aren't always what, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I was always confused when I was little. I was like, but he he's just saying, yeah. <laughs> like, essentially, he's, he's just telling her, okay. Yeah, when you get older, you see all of the eye. The like, eye there's a lot of there's a lot of eye fucking in that scene. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yes, especially when he like goes to take the lot down. And he's oh like, yeah, oh yeah. Do you know? And she's like, I didn't, but now I know. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a lot that goes on in between that. Give me that fucking picture, and uh, as you wish. I also like that it's been like they spent years together. Mm-hmm. It's not that. They don't actually know each other or anything. Well, and she is of a different class than he is. Yes. Yes. I think that she's supposed to be like a merchant's daughter or something like that. She's, um, well, she's the daughter of the person that owns the farm and the right, farmland. Right, so right, like, right. Yeah, yeah, of that same mm-hmm. ca- caliber. And he's just a servant. So there's yeah. also there that uh, class discrepancy where like she should, she's not supposed to fall in love with him. And also maybe why he wouldn't be saying it. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I can I fuck the shit out of you but like we don't get to always act on things when we're of a different class I hate that that sounded gross and I hate it more. <laughs> well that was the time period it's mm-hmm. true and that's why there's all of the tension with the eye fucking mm-hmm. so much eye fucking it's such good eye fucking too I, I really liked the as you wish thing I think that there's something really sweet about the idea that you can have your own language with the person that you care about well and it's hyper realistic that as you know somebody for so long you have little phrases and quirks and things that you say to each other or do to each other that mean something that from from the outside somebody be like what the fuck are you even what does that even mean it's Mm -hmm. like well i'd have to sit here for an hour and tell you the history over the last several years to tell right. you what that moment yeah. meant because it did not start out romantic or it did not start out as this like big thing it's it was literally us fucking around at first <laughs> well and also the notion that you can have the the full conversation with your eyes mm-hmm. because oh, that's yeah. they do that a lot in this movie like mm-hmm. the implied conversation with the eyes and I don't know. Men seem to have more, and, and this is a generalization, and I am terribly sorry, but men seem to have more of an issue with that than women do as being able to do that. But like, I can have a total conversation with either of the two of you without saying a goddamn word. Mm-hmm. I try to do that with Pappy, and he doesn't get it. It's he actually doesn't. really difficult for me to have chill in those moments. Like, uh, someone will be like <laughs> giving me the. The like look, the look and the whole story's coming out and I'm like, don't smile, don't smile, don't smile. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, we did it when we were with a big group of our friends hanging out and Wiggles and I were having an entire ass conversation about somebody that was annoying the absolute <laughs> fuck out of us. It's true. Hmm. I, yeah, I don't know why it's, it seems to be more of a, a female thing. I mean, without going on a history rant, I can say that I have a theory as to why that would be 
if you think about it, uh, women weren't really allowed into public spaces for a very long time and communication that they were allowed to have was very limited. So if I've got to communicate with you that something important is happening, then I need to be able to say it in as few words possible so that Joe Schmo, who's being a dick over there, doesn't overhear us. So are you, so are you thinking that it's almost become like a, a hereditary or evolutionary I thing? I think so, probably. I mean, that makes sense. It, it makes total sense. The nonverbal communication has become stronger with us because we just notice things more. Well, think necessity. about it this way. Like you pass that, uh, your, your great on to infinity, um, grandmother passes that to her daughter and so on and so on because you it's learned behavior but eventually it becomes such learned behavior that we combine it with the nuances of our time yeah the argument could also be made perhaps that because women are on edge a lot more than men are like we are essentially trained from birth to notice everything around ourselves for and safety. so for safety reasons and so that might also be why we clue into the nonverbal communication more Um, simply because we're just more aware it also could be because as much as we are given flack for for being chatty and talking too much and blah blah Mm -hmm. blah blah, men talk 70 percent more than women do in most job situations right not just job situations most men i know are chatty bitches right i don't know the hell this whole like well, and then men perceive what when it's a 30 70 split, men perceive that as 50 50. Right. Yeah. And it's like, bitch, where? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this is not us bashing on men. It's just kind of a fact of reality in our lives. Well, the thing is, uh, it's not bashing on men, but it is bashing on the patriarchy. And that's not going to be easy for you to dismantle if you're a guy. So you're going to have to like hear some of these things in order to improve it. You can't just sit there and go, yeah, it sucks. You have to yep. actually do something about it and work on self-improvement. So so we're on a very interesting track that I I made a note of it and I wasn't going to bring it up, but we're here. <laughs> so what did you guys think of the sexism in this movie? I mean, well, it's it's pretty clear, right? Yeah. So there yeah. are a grand total of three women in the entire movie. Am yeah. I miscounting? Yep. Right. It's Humperdinck's mother. It's Buttercup. And it's... Uh, Miracle Max's wife. There's one. I mean, there's a couple extras. Oh, and, and the, there's the woman who boos. Yes, at her. yes, the booing yes. woman. Yeah. Um. I. Th- I mean, it, it is a product of its time. It is the 80s. Yes. But I mean, this absolutely fails the Bechdel tests. Yeah. Yeah. Not that the Bechdel, te- Bechdel test is necessarily an indication of whether or not a movie is sexist, because sometimes, anyway, let, right. I'm not going to go into the details of that. But <laughs> the point, but uh, no, it does have some pro- problematic things. But Buttercup is often very, very helpless. Yeah. yeah. Um. The the way that women in general are perceived in this every single woman nags right mm-hmm. yes so humperdinck's mother gets after um her husband for dawdling the uh buttercup obviously is naggy towards um towards wesley and the woman who boos like that's her whole thing that's yeah that's the entire personality of that woman and that she's ugly right yeah. that she's the counterpoint to buttercup's beauty although I do have to mention, though, her eyes are fucking gorgeous. I stare at her eyes every fucking time. I'm the sure boor- that they picked her for that intensity that she could pull through the makeup. Yeah, because, right. I mean, they're, like, crystal blue, and I stare at them every fucking time. Sometimes I, I used to, like, I don't think this is true, but I used to wonder if it was just 
um the actress i can't think of her name all of a sudden um that it was just her in makeup i always wondered that too if it was aaron wright yeah the 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 gal who plays the booer yeah um marjorie mason is yeah i name. didn't think it was actually was because it doesn't sound like i don't think her like voice her, could do that yeah but i did often wonder if that was the intention at least was that it was supposed to be this like projection of herself yeah um but then yeah, obviously you have Miracle Max's wife, who again nags Valerie, and that's one of my favorite actresses. Yes, Carol oh. Kane is amazing. She's amazing, and she does such an amazing job. Yes, and then of course none of them are allowed to interact. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, no, and they they're all unless they are required for the plot that is moving forward, they're all relegated to relatively background roles. Yeah. Yeah. Even Buttercup, for the most part, isn't in... She gets sidelined a lot. Yeah, she's not in the movie a lot. I mean, where she is, she gets kidnapped, but she's still even a side character in the fact that she got kidnapped. Well, and let's even talk about the fact that the entire plot revolves around passing this woman from hand to hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's definitely problematic in that way, <laughs> for sure. I, I would love to be able to turn a blind eye to it, but I can't. Well, and some of it's, I mean, not, some of it's just overt. Obviously, Humberdink is super sexist towards Buttercup, but he's a bad guy and he's supposed to be. He's supposed yeah. to have that Gaston mm-hmm. vibe uh, before mm-hmm. Gaston existed, as we know him today. Uh, but also, Wesley, like... And I know he was trying to scare her when he was the Dread Pirate Roberts. But he said some shit that I'm like, bro, Wesley. Well, and it's not Humperdinck who threatens to hit Buttercup. No, it's not. No, it's it him. is not. That's Wesley. So there's also that where it's yeah. like, hmm, doesn't like that. Didn't like that moment at all. I like I get that he is playing a part. And I don't think that he would have actually hit her. Yeah, I don't for one minute think he would have ever actually struck her because any time that he um, is not pretending to be the Dread Pirate, I mean, he is the Dread Pirate Roberts technically, but the only, uh, the rest of the time when he is actually just being Wesley, he worships the ground she walks on whenever he's near her. Yeah, but. I just can't stand it when he says things like, where I come from, if women lie, you get hit or something. He says something, I don't know what the exact line is. The next time... Uh, my hand flies on its own. On its own, uh, where I come from, there are penalties for women who lie. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, that and maybe allows me to give it more forgiveness than it necessarily deserves. But the whole that whole scene was very much giving me Rochester Jane Eyre vibes when he like dresses up as the fortune teller. Oh yeah. Like it was. It felt very much like the whole thing was to like. He needed to get the confession of love. Like, does she still love me? I'm I'm going to rescue her no matter what. But I need to hear that she loves me before I reveal who I am. Because if she doesn't, I'm I'm going to send her off to be saved and not be murdered. And I'm going to leave. Right. That's, that's how I've interpreted it. Maybe well, I'm being too generous. And I also always had, I, I always got the impression, because I understand he was playing a part. But at the same time, I think the anger behind it mm-hmm. was real. Oh, well, yeah, he thinks that she's betrayed him and left their love in the dust to go marry a prince. Like, I I think he didn't realize that she thought he was dead, but yeah, he was just pissed. And I can get the being pissed, but you went at it a very theatrical way there, Wes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I also don't love that it happens twice right like we have the first one where like she's like well he's been dead for five years so i can't really say no to this guy right Mm -hmm. um but then like she she chooses to go be with humperdinck who's a tool and it's obvious 
that she, that he's a tool uh in spite of the fact that she wants to be with wesley to save him and his interpretation of that is you've betrayed me and it's like she literally said in front of you will you let him live if i go with you right like, so i was like where's the confusion and it's one of those <laughs> things that happens in romance books and not to go back to this horrible how to marry a millionaire vampire book <laughs> but happens a lot in that book where i'm like literally there's nothing confusing here it's it's you are actively choosing to find the worst potential outcome of this yeah and the worst potential intention intentions it is really obvious what the other character is trying to do yeah like Pull your head out your ass. It is a very common theme or trope in romance books where one person tries to do the sac, does a sacrifice for the other, and but it's seen by the other person as a betrayal. Yes, I love that he at that moment he's like, we we know the secrets of the fire swamp. We could live there quite happily for some time. Come and join us if you dare. And I'm like, I would have gone in the fire swamp with Wesley. They do know how to get. They know how to survive in there now. They were surrounding him though. Like I know. Buttercup's yeah. choice becomes very obvious when you see like there's no chance that they can run back into the fire swamp faster than a horde of horses. Yeah, well, sure. and there's all them crossbowmen. Yeah, they get shot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, I probably would have stayed in the fire swamp for a couple of days because like they knew how to survive it. They knew. Well, what they the weren't going to get stands. into That's the a, fire swamp. That yes, they yeah. were. They wouldn't have made it to the fire swamp no 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 i meant previously like before they actually even left it it's like why didn't you just wait a couple of days in there like if they tried to chase you in there they were gonna fucking die i don't know that what so one of the things about wesley is he's like supposed to be smarter than mincini um, more cunning than inigo and more and have a um greater strength even if it isn't quite physical strength than than physic right um but the thing is he's not actually he's a bit thick he's a bit thick yeah in the head because like if you're so smart that you can do all these things you'd think you'd have peripheral awareness to some extent like if we're talking distracted by her beauty no i'm just kidding i just (laughs) felt like saying (laughs) like if we're talking about this in in D &D terms uh his, his uh passive intelligence checks not great not great um he does have a bit of an ego yes yes and that that kind of is his main fault yes which is interesting because his whole thing before going to the dread prior roberts is that he's just like willing to get pushed around by buttercup yeah Wow. So where does this ego come from? It you know it comes sometimes from being really rich. Well, but sometimes <laughs> like the relationship you have with one person is is entirely unique to that person. Sure, true. So he can be egotistical any other way, and maybe it, more than likely he probably got that way of becoming the Dread Pirate Roberts because you go from a farmhand to becoming the Dread Pirate Roberts, you probably have a bit of an ego about you. Well, and he's been in charge of rough and tumble men for five years now. Well, probably about three. Because mm-hmm. he, the Dread Pirate Roberts had to train him and then they brought on a whole new crew with uh, Roberts calling Wesley Roberts. And he's been he's been retired for like 17 years and living like a king in Patagonia. Sounds great to me. Would you do it? If somebody came up and said, hey, I'm going to make you the Dread Pirate Roberts. And then after three years, I can retire. Fuck and do yeah. Do whatever the fuck I want. I don't know if it's three riches. years, but 
Sure. Well, he's about to pass it to Inigo Montoya. That's implied. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just assumed that he did that because Buttercup, mm-hmm. and regardless of how much actual money he has. Mm. If I could retire and uh, live like royalty. And uh, only have to do like and five I- years of work or something. Thousand yeah. percent. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thousand percent. I don't want to work now. I've always wondered, what's their fucking next step, right? Like, they get the horses at the end. Yeah. They ride off into the sunset. They have one of the top five kit, or excuse me, the t- kiss that blew the top five oh, kisses in history out of the water. Oh, um, so good. I love that kiss so much. <laughs> and uh, And then, like, and then what? What is their plan? Do they go back to the ship and pirate around for a while do they like well at the very least if he is going to pass the the title and the ship onto Inigo he's got to train him right so like are you taking buttercup aboard he better she ain't gonna go back to the farm and just chill right like I'm just saying there's there's some logistics that uh, the happily ever after your ending like really leaves out dress her like a dude there was a pirate queen that did that yes and Bonnie and Bonnie yeah there we go Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I know this name. Actually. Yeah, there were, but th- actually, there were two on the ship that Anne Bonnie was on. But Anne didn't hide it through to the crew. She just usually hid it when they were like in battle. But the other woman lived like a man full time. That seems like the perfect basis for a lovely sapphic romance. There, there is implied that they were together, but then also when the um ship was actually taken, finally. Um, and they, they were both in prison. It turned out that both of them were pregnant. Oh, bitch! What you, what have y'all been getting up to? <laughs> Look, okay. What are you gonna do at sea for days or even weeks on end? I could, just... I couldn't do it. I could not. That that would not be the life for me. The pirate's life is in fact not for me. It's if for a no other reason, life. exactly. <laughs> the smell would kill me. Yeah. Um. Also, Anne Bonnie. So she was due to be hanged, and then. They basically were like, uh, nope, but her dad's rich. So she ended up moving to Georgia and having like 11 kids. That's a lot. Yeah. There is something about historical romances or monster romances that are in like a like a medieval fantasy, whatever high fantasy setting. Whenever it's always it's always when there's like somebody's going down on somebody else. And my brain has to turn off the like, but it's stanky down there. Nobody washed. You were on a horse all day. Dude, right? Like think, <laughs> think, 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 think about that stanky ass dick. Nah, man. No, I don't want to think about the stanky ass dick. It would be disgusting. Like that's that's one of the things that I don't know if I appreciate or I hate. Like I flitter back and forth with the fucking Outlander series. They're not shy about how gross it is, and I'm like, you could be a little more. You could be a little <laughs> more shy. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of swampy down in the dick and balls region, but like the cooch also gets a little stanky if it's sweaty. And well, okay. I'm like, they I just do, just wipe it out. Real they did quick. do like hand bath, right? So yeah, but they, they would, don't always do it before the sexy times. They would PTA it, you know, pits tits ass. <laughs> I get that, but at the, at the end of the day, on the road, there's always somebody going down on somebody in these fucking books, and nobody says just like take a bath first. <laughs> like I don't even, I don't need the scene. I just need to know that you did it, <laughs> dude. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm conflicted. Uh, so I read this book. 
Uh, I won't tell you which one it is because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who might read it. But uh, this gal gets married to this guy and uh, they he he only can dr- you know ride so long after the wedding until they like have to set up camp. Yeah. They do not make it to a village. Right. So they're just out in the fucking woods. All right. All right. OK. Does not clean up. Does not clean up whatsoever. Been riding riding horse like you say. Hours. Hours, all the whole day. Her ass is literally sore from riding all day, right? Yeah, riding all day. <laughs> um, I'll show you riding all day. No, just kidding. Ew. And they fully go into the biz, and he goes straight down to Pound Town. Um, and <laughs> just like Jesus Christ, it took me like I had to literally mentally detach. I had to be like, <laughs> no, reality doesn't exist here. They are perfect and not stinky and not gross and not sweaty and not. All I want, all I want is two sentences that just say, and we take a, a, a spare cloth and our water bottle and just do a little cleanup. Our water that's, bottle? Or, or water skin okay. and do a little cleanup. <laughs> and that's all I want. That's all I want. I don't need any more than that. I just need to know that you washed. Well, you know what really grosses me out? Because like, that's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also that was like, guess what you did? But you, you know the show The Walking Dead? Mm-hmm. Bitches be showing up pregnant. What, and y'all look disgusting on a like, daily. I can understand the the, 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 the the two stanky genitals going at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand when somebody's face where your nose is and your mouth is goes down on one of them stanky genitals. Well, there's a there's a part of me and this it, it's I have I have to shut it off when yeah. it comes time. But like most of them are doing the shake. They're not cleaning up themselves after they leave the bathroom. They you just, know, they're doing the shake. And I'm like, you can't tell me you got all that pee off. I think it should be completely acceptable before sexy times to say like, hey, can you just go just give it a little just go just wash go down. in the bathroom and just like clean it up, wipe her off for me. I, I mean, I guess for rushing up. First step is we just got to get them to wash their hands. oh that's the other thing when you think about like putting hands up in the vagina dirtiest like they're always described as like grubby thick fingers yeah grubby tells me that there's dirt caked in that shit don't you put that next to me (laughs) don't you be coming in hot with those fucking split fingernails (laughs) (laughs) dirt caked underneath them i will kill you Mm-mm. No, Man. ma'am, Pam. Anyway, so uh, there's no sex in this movie. So this there's is... zero. So we had to find some way to get to it. Oh my god. Oh lord. Should we talk about? It's gonna be a really big, weird deferral. But I think we need that. We need to break the, I, the yes, cycle. We need to. Okay. <gasps> big world, weird deferral. So the torture um that yes. that they do on wesley and they do on other people too but it wesley is is the main person you see one they have a secret grove where you have to hit a certain knot on a tree and it opens a door mm-hmm. which is clearly there it's very 80s but it cracks me up and then he sucks a year of your life away that's what i call going to work <laughs> i mean you're not wrong i now remember it's for posterity how do you and the cries <laughs> Does that make an? Does that imply that magic exists in this? I mean, it does though, because Mad Max is a wizard. Yeah, yeah. He he brings him back from the almost dead. Yeah. But I think this would fall under. Um, I think this is 
science. It's fantasy science. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. science in their world, but yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of life. Well, if you can be magic and mostly but, dead and yeah. not full dead, right? Then it, like already your life is different. Yeah. But I've never, ever, ever, ever in my life been done so fucking dirty. Then by BuzzFeed's, uh, which character are you in, <laughs> in, oh, in The no. Princess Bride? Oh, no. I am still angry about it to this day. So I'm thinking this thinking like the worst I could get is like Humperdinck, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. No. Oh, no. Did they you hit get me with, You're the albino. <gasps> and then like described me to a T. <laughs> like it was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like you avoid the song at all costs. You you like to work in peace and quiet, and honestly, you're a little bit weird. And I was like, ah, how dare you? <laughs> I was like, this can't be real life. And no, everybody else was getting totally normal answers, and I got the fucking albino. <laughs> okay, I love that albino though. Yeah, I love that he he's funny. like the pit of despair. The pit of despair. <laughs> don't even think about trying to get out of here and you're like oh what just happened yeah gotta my, love that comedy my sister and i love to like give each other the head shake he does where he like gets rid of his chins and is like Whoa. <laughs> 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 to each other all the time we'll be like no also when they they find him outside and he's like does it jog his memory and he like just and you can tell he did it so lightly he just t- like kind of just set his fist on top of the albino and he's just done he's out he's dead didn't mean to jog his memory so hard <laughs> i also love that he's just called the albino yeah well why bother coming up with a name <laughs> you know <laughs> seems unnecessary oh my god so that kind of brings me to something that I, that kind of loops back around to the romance aspect of it is when wesley's killed Humperdinck comes down and he says to him you two truly love each other you might have had a chance at happiness no one couple in a century could say that right yeah Uh, so I believe that no one uh will will feel this pain so dearly as you or something like that no one else in a century will um feel as horrible as you something like that that, yeah will Um, suffer as much as you have that's it yes and uh like the, the this movie and the book does the same thing does a really big effort to be like no they're different they have true love right Mm -hmm. they have something special that none of the rest of y'all commoners can have right and on one hand it's like okay so your idea is to to say that their love is like the purest of love yeah but on the other hand you're literally telling other people like but it's not for you (laughs) you can't have this (laughs) it's definitely setting up the idea that nobody else gets love yes it's like, so at one hand, it's like aspirational towards love, but at the same time saying like, love isn't, love is dead. Love isn't real. Yeah. And you're like, what? What? I oh also kind of like how cynical most of the characters in this movie are mm-hmm. towards true love, which honestly is very realistic in life too, mm-hmm. because a lot of people are really cynical about what true love really is and everything. Mm-hmm. Must fail. Um, but I just kind of like that in this in this fantasy setting, everyone's a little cynical about it. Max's wife is like, no, it's true love. He said true love, you know, but Max is kind of trying to be like, which means bluff. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's not Liar! what he said. Liar! Get back, witch. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. But after what you just said, I don't want to even 
shouldn't be that anymore. And it's just, it seems like everybody in, in the movie is, is <laughs> cynical towards true love. Like, yes. everybody's just like, oh yeah, that's real. They, they kind of do the condescending thing of, oh, that's sweet. You, that's for children and fairy yeah. tales. Right. Which I honestly feel like was probably a very medieval Sure. way of thinking about love too because a lot of marriages were arranged and mm-hmm. all of that so i i can see where people would mm-hmm. in that time period be very cynical about what true love is i mean people are even to this day but they're less less than they are in this movie mm-hmm. i don't feel like most people in the world are like ah true love doesn't exist depends how you define true love i feel like well, it that's, that's the, the that's question the thing. yeah it's like what makes love have a step up this is now the true love right i don't know couldn't ask me never found it <laughs> <laughs> i guess is the closest here you know yeah there's to oh. blame <laughs> you know not to not to like shit on anybody's parade but i don't know i don't think there really is anything is like true love because that implies some sort of like almost faded mates type yeah situation right. um and you can definitely like fall in lust or, or romantic yeah. whatever feelings to somebody immediately but love takes work Absolutely. and dedication and patience and a lot of butt grabs. The iconic fight between Wesley and Inigo Montoya starts with the most absurd thing in the world, which is them climbing that fucking rope. The, the cliffs, cliffs of insanity! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and first off, that rope is fucking huge. It like, was, but it looks who's tiny trying in, to in Andre the Giant. Grab name. it. And also, I understand it's the 80s, but you don't climb a rope with only your upper body. It it is a bad idea. Well, apparently, don't he do can. it. He just swishes his legs back and forth <laughs> as he climbs. That is the thing that just like annoys the shit. It doesn't. Andre doesn't annoy me as much because it's Andre and he's carrying three people. But it also, I'm just like, your legs are also there to help you. Apparently, use your legs. Maybe if you touch the cliff of insanity, it makes you insane. You can do it on the rope, but you you would have to know how to wrap your the rope around and stuff. And he goes so fast. Ridiculous. Don't be climbing ropes without using your legs. It also leads to some fantastic quotes again, because you have... I do not suppose you could speed things up. But even in the fight, you have, I am not (laughs) left-handed. Also, that fight is... I. So this just like popped into my brain and I forgot about it. So during that fight, Manny Patinkin said that like they were having so much fun doing it that the, he almost didn't want them to get it right because he knew that <laughs> when they did, they wouldn't be able to do it ever again. And I was he like, just wanted to do it over and over again. Yes. Oh, that's yes. adorable. Let's talk a little bit about the like the the political intrigue that's happening in the background of this like the justification for i'm going to kill uh buttercup humperdinck's plan makes no fucking it's true because she's she's a commoner essentially right so he's got to marry her in order for her to become a princess and for the people to love her and he's like um you know i I, if i kill her on my wedding night they're gonna be so angry yeah he's supposed to stage it so that it looks like an enemy kingdom sent people in to murder her right but isn't he the one who hired vicini yeah yes yeah so his original plan was to kill her on the day of their engagement that it's to show that they kidnapped her and then took her into their lands and killed her yeah i get that uh 
he's trying to friends Ferdinand in that situation. Right. Is it what's what's the neighboring country? Gal something uh, or another? So it's uh shit. Now I can't, I can't now you have that it. in my head and I can't think of it. Um Gilda. 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 That's yeah. right. Yeah. and Gilda. Yeah. And so the whole time I love the when he's like hunting her down, he's like, This is obviously the work of the agents of Gilda. Right. <laughs> and I love, the, I love at the end when like they're closing in but he's like we've been doing this for so long my god he's like if we do not find her alive i'm going to be very put out <laughs> i'm just like that uh, that is why i love humperdinck because he's just so ridiculous i love the you know i love to watch you work but i have my wedding to plan my wife to murder and guilted to frame for it. I'm booked. If you haven't got your health, you haven't had anything. <laughs> um, okay, 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 okay. So in my rewatch this week, uh, I picked up on something. I'm like, am I just reading too many romance novels or is this real? <laughs> Are the six fingered man, because I can't think of what his name is. Rugen um, Rugen? Count Rugen? Yes. And Humperdinck. Is there sexual tension there? there? Oh, there's yeah. 100% okay, okay, sexual okay, tension. Okay, okay. And I noticed that it's a child wiggles. Yeah. No, there's 100% sexual tension. Okay, good. I'm glad it's not just me. I wasn't really paying attention to that before. I don't know why. Like, it wasn't like, I just suddenly was like, oh, shit. Hot damn. You doing some eye fucking over there. <laughs> Baby eye fucking, that's for sure. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely um, a, a power dynamic that I think they would lean into in the sex. Right. Like, it's not one of those like, oh, but behind closed doors or equals. It's like, no, but behind closed doors, we are definitely the prince and the count. Yeah. There is, there is the step that is there. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Well, and it kind of makes you wonder if like that's the reason for his motivation is that he just wants to impress Count Rugen. He'd be like, I'll get you so many people to torture. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I never understood um, or I always found interesting is that the fact that like Humperdinck is the one who is leading the rescue um, and also the one that seems to be the best tracker Mm-hmm. Yes, like, he's a master hunter. He can track a falcon on a flou- on a cloudy day. It's true. But how often is he tracking people? That's the question. Because he's he's talking about like, oh, there was a giant here and there was a scuffle and a fight and it went like this and this and this. And I'm like, how often are you hunting people? <laughs> well, well, they need somebody to experiment on. I suppose. He's yeah. really rich and kind of bored. I think. Well, and very clearly, nobody says no to Humperdinck. Oh, very clearly. Um, yeah. Like, I love the, the bit with the guard where he's like, my wife has been threatened by agents of Gilda or evils of Gilda. I don't know, whatever. Been threatened by Gilda. So I need you to clear out the thieves for us, which doesn't make sense. No. At no all. Sense. At all. But then the guard's like, oh, well, well, we've already dealt with the guard. There will be resistance uh, from the criminals. And he's like, then form a brute squad. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all right. I guess I'm gonna go clear out the thieves for us. This is gonna be a great time for me. Like they just do whatever he says. So I'm sure, mm. like they probably had actual. In my mind, this is how this goes. Humperdinck is not the best hunter, and he just has servants who are doing a lot of the work for him. And then he acts it out. Like <laughs> 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 he's special, and they're like, "So there's these tracks here. These are it's like I got it from here. So there was a great duel." <laughs> 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 I love that there's an entire forest for the thieves and the criminals. Yeah, just like, for them. We just we just left that aside for you guys to go in and 
I also like that there is, again, not one single female person in that entire Thieves' Wars. Yeah. Right. The 80s. You know. Uh, it's true. It's true. It's true. I also love, so when, when Fezzik finds Indigo and he's nursing him back to health and telling him about the, the six-fingered men, like him, he looks so sweet nursing him back to health and then like shoving his head in the water and yanking him up and shoving his head in the water and yanking him up. <laughs> kills me every time (laughs) well that's a perfect example of where they use comedic irony over and over and over again in this movie because like the grandpa's reading the book and he's like fizek took great care how's he go (laughs) (laughs) and and it's like splash splash (laughs) he's like enough (laughs) i've got it Oh, their friendship is the best. It honestly, really is. honestly, that that bromance might act that might top the the romance for me because I'm like you bestie boys, mm. you're so cute together. That's I love true. that their way of like entertaining themselves on journeys is to come up with rhymes, and they don't yeah. talk about the fact that they're going to start playing this game. They just look at each other and go. <laughs> uh, one of my other favorite moments is when Inigo is chasing down the six-figured man and he's trying to get into the the room and he's like Fezzik he's getting away he's just like keeps like <laughs> running into the, door. into the door yeah. I need you Fezzik and he just like Fezzik please <laughs> sticks Wesley on a <laughs> statue <Yeah. laughs> then he comes back and he's like the fuck <laughs> you can't walk my guy where'd you go <laughs> <laughs> I love that they give him no lines to react to that. It's just all just like body yes. just going, this don't make sense. And then he just must obviously give up on giving yes. a shit where Wesley is like, I'm going to go find some horses. I think if I remember right, that whole sequence in the book is also very convoluted where I'm like, <laughs> how? How? <laughs> oh, make it make sense because it doesn't right now. No, it doesn't. It's no. one of my favorite moves in the entire movie. And it's it's so silly and there's no meaning. Is after he's like subdued Humperdinck and everything and he takes a step forward with the like point of his sword down in the, in the floor mm-hmm. and he just like... <laughs> falls and pulls himself back up and it's so comically wonderful well carrie uh our actor who who is very handsome even to this day is very handsome oh yeah uh he his physical comedy is chef's kiss it is so good and it's always weird when you see him in a serious role because you're like so are you are you gonna do something funny though? Some what are you gonna do something funny though? But like Robin Hood <laughs> like, tights. If, I don't oh. know if you've ever watched the movie Kiss the Girls and See Them Cry. No. Um it's it's in a series of like detective books, um, mm. but that have been turned into movie because there's also one that's like it, it, the anyway, Morgan Freeman is like the lead detective in all of these. That's okay. the connecting factor, right? But this one has um Ashley Judd and Carrie Ells in it. And um like He's serious the entire movie, and I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> him as a vi- he's very good as a villain too. Oh yes, 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 yes. See, um, I I always forget that he is himself too when they put him in those villain roles because they always kind of like do something to- different to his hair or something mm-hmm. like that, and it's like you're like that's not my guy. <laughs> it's but- like whenever I see video of mark hamlin doing his joker voice and i'm just like those those things are supposed to live in separate parts of my brain the only one i the only villain where i like i see him shining so much through is of course twister 
because he's also being funny as shit in that one. Yeah. I've never seen Twister. What? No, I haven't. I remember being on at at the babysitter when I was like, I don't know, a no, uh, some age in grade school. Which means you've never played the Twister drinking game. No. Which is every time uh, Bill Paxton says, come on, you take a shot. Let me guess, you get very intoxicated? Yes. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I've never played the Twister, Twister drinking game, but I have seen Twister, and I will tell you, that'll get you fucked. Yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> and also, okay, so that movie is surprisingly stacked with its cast, too. Yeah. Like, it also has um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as dusty and it has um helen hunt mm-hmm. there's a character in a movie about twisters named dusty sure is sure is great yeah. good times and he's the weirdest fucking guy you'd have to be like he has lines like she's inside the tunnel of suckage <laughs> and then he's like also has lines that, that are like food food <laughs> so yeah uh i don't know you gotta watch it sure i'll add it to my never-ending list of things that i say i'll make you watch it one night like i I won't even like give you a choice i'll just come into your house and be like scooch on over the door is pretty much always locked so if you randomly shut my house i'll be like "Mm -mm." i'll find a way in i don't think Mm -hmm. it'll be that hard Wiggle, I have dun 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 also why are you revealing our secrets like that <laughs> this would have been so much easier if you She's didn't show her i hand. have a key i cats it for them yes but she forgot about that until i showed up in her house don't <laughs> <laughs> show up in my house <laughs> back just, to this movie you guys. just turn on the lights and i'll be there and i'll be like twister time uh yeah this movie I love the for the pain speech. Mm. They're going to do the death. No, for the pain. I don't understand that scene because like um, Humperdinck is all like, yeah, fine, whatever. Cut off my ears, cut off my nose, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. And then as soon as Wesley stands up, he's like, oh, no, I'm I'm too a scared now. Well, it's because he thought like he thought wesley was bluffing because he knew what he had done to him Mm -hmm. so he didn't actually think that he could possibly have any strength whatsoever to get up and do it right because Mm -hmm. if he did he would have met him head on yeah yeah and so it that like swelling of music as he stands is is as much for us as it is for humperdinck it gets me every time because no like i get it like what i get what they're trying to say i just i don't know i don't think it comes across very well but well and so the reason i think it works uh on humperdinck is because wesley is just like on and on and on about what to the pain mean right and so rather than it being like this is just a like a duel and whoever comes out on top wins right right um he's just like laying it on thick of what he's actually going to do to him if he ha- does in fact have the strength to do it he rolled intimidation yeah, but, check but humperdinck never looks go. scared like he's talking about it and humperdinck is just like yeah whatever i don't care like throughout the whole explanation until he says uh right and then my ears next and he says wrong and then he goes into his whole thing about he's gonna leave hit uh, like every babe that cries, every woman that walks by and says, dear God, what is that thing will remain per- in your perfect ears, right? Or something like that. That's what the pain is. I leave you in anguish, wallowing, freakish the rest of your stunts. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I get what they're trying to do. I just, it, I don't think it came across very well. But oh, I do. I think it comes a lot. 
Oh, I love it so much. It gives me the fuzzies and it makes me want to punch Humperdinck in the throat. And I also really, I don't know why it makes me giggle every time. I think you're bluffing. He's like, it's possible, pig. I could be. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe also my problem with it is it's very anticlimactic. Like the ending is very like, also, and we run away. <laughs> like the ending is, is very anticlimactic. Well, I mean, they realistically probably don't want to commit regicide. Well, I, I think, you know, you got to remember that this, as much as the 80s makes it not that geared towards children, it is actually geared towards children. True. This is supposed to be a children's story. So there's also got to be that factor of like, they don't actually want to see. They don't want to hurt anyone. They just want. They death. just want to explain it in vivid detail. I guess so. The <laughs> 80s was weird. The 80s it's was true. weird. Also, they don't want to explain it in, in vivid detail, the the murder of this dude. Although I did laugh. I do laugh when he's like, tie him up. Do it as tightly as, as you want. And then all of a sudden you hear, ow, <laughs> from Humperdinck. Um, but yeah, I do like that they, you know, I suppose it is technically a kid's movie. I never really saw it as a kid's movie. I was saying, it I does did not come across it that way It for all. sure is targeted towards kids. And like, yes, they don't show us Humperdinck's death, but they definitely show count rugen's death yeah that's what i'm saying i don't see how this is supposed to be i know no. listen the <laughs> 80s were weird and they also gave us never-ending story yeah the scenes i could see because all he does is just like croak and fall over right. yeah but like inigo is bleeding everywhere rugen is very clearly also bleeding everywhere i gotta say like my favorite thing about that fight is the way the the slashes of the sword land with the music, the mm-hmm. da 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 da, and I'm like, ah, this is so satisfying. <laughs> I also love that he gave him the slashes because those scars that Rukin gave him as a child, mm-hmm. right? Well, in the part where he's he says, "Offer me, offer me riches, anything you want, and more. Offer me anything I could ask for, anything. I want my father back, you, you son, son of a bitch." bitch. Stab, stab, stab. So it's a big swear for the 80s, son of a bitch. It was yeah. a big swear for the 80s. I I distinctly remember because I, I said I watched this as a kid. Like, that wasn't like. That's a big no-no. And this was a movie that my friend's dad had us watch and very much monitored what his kids watched and mm-hmm. everything. And the fact that they said son of a bitch in that movie. And I walked into their house and he was like, all right, girls, we're watching this. And we're like, okay. I know for a fact that it was targeted towards, mm-hmm. um, obviously wouldn't have had that whole bit with uh, Ben Savage getting not, Right. Right? Fred. Fred, whatever. They're the same person. They know. are not. <laughs> one is the Wonder Years and one is Boy Meets World. They literally are the same. Um. Anyway, what do you think about it? They It definitely has the charm and the innocence. Mm-hmm. in a lot of the parts of the movie and then they have a whole torture sequence right yeah <sighs> although maybe that's why they choose to have the uh, torture be taking years of your life as opposed to take like actually cutting somebody and whatnot yeah well and it's also pretty comedic the torture scene right yeah like yes whereas the the duel at the end is dramatic it comes down to the people, the violence that was enacted was either enacted by bad guys or was seen as justified. Yes. Mm-hmm. There isn't a justifiable reason for Wesley to full out kill Humperdinck. Well, and you could also make the argument as they just had this big dramatic execution fight with Indigo and Count Rogan. Why also 
have it with Humperdinck. Right. Who doesn't, as we say, really doesn't pose that much of a threat to Wesley, aside from the fact that he had Buttercup. If he can get Buttercup out of there. Yeah, but he's just going to do it again. Humperdinck's just going to find some other bitch and do the same thing. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Like, this does not solve the problem. No, No, not at all. There's still going to be a war with Florin and Gilda, which also makes me kind of like... Humping, why don't you just let this bitch go? <laughs> like it yeah, would like, save you so much time. So much? You lost your boyfriend in the process. Way to go. <laughs> Well, I think it's because, like you said, Humperdinck always gets what he wants. And so when so when there's this thing that he's set out, he's not going to let somebody just take it away. Do you think, here's the question that we ask about every eighth episode. Do you think that their true love stands the test of time? I mean, according to the book, it does. According yeah. To, you know, so like, and even according to the movie, if they are true love and they get to go right off into the sunset, it's assumed. Yeah. 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 I mean, they get to, they're living in a very different world from ours. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the complications that our world has are, are going to be the case. Although I think if you were going to do a sequel to this book, it's the, it's Buttercup dragging their asses back and being like, we can't let these kingdoms go to war, my guy. Either that or it's just them on the pirate ship. Right. Oh, I would read a book about them on the pirate ship. <laughs> but All I, of them. I think and then that- Buttercup gets kept captured again just this time for a ransom and we it's like oh no we gotta do it all <laughs> over again <laughs> that's how sequels worked back then it is how sequels it's true <laughs> okay so we've kind of uh, hop skipping and jumped our way around this movie i think we can wrap it up and get into all ratings what i don't know how you're gonna answer this one what's your spice rating i mean i there's some decent eye fucking so i'll maybe give it a one I was gonna give it like a point five. Yeah, I was gonna do a point five. Because they do kiss. They do kiss. And there's sexual tension in that kiss. And there's sexual tension between the count and Buttercup. <laughs> or not Buttercup. Uh Humperdinck. Yeah, they've been doing some weird shit down there. They have for sure. For sure, for sure. I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was feeling a little bit like, Am I projecting? <laughs> have I read too much romance recently? No. no. You're not. <laughs> uh what about your romance? For the best kiss of all time. Well, it's love. True love. <laughs> give them like a solid four. I like them as a couple. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not really what the movie's about. But no. Sure. I'll give it a four. I was closer to like a three. That's fair. Fair enough. Okay, so you're overall. I give it a five. It's it, like I said, it is one of my top three movies of all time. Um, and I that don't... might be fueled a lot by nostalgia but i don't care uh, most people's top movies of all time usually there's at least usually one are. nostalgia pick yeah, yeah yeah most of mine are if i'm being completely honest yeah yeah um but that doesn't mean they're not good just you know nostalgia maybe blinds me to some some heavy-handed shit um you know i love this movie i really do um but i don't really know if the quality of the movie is so great or if I just have it fucking so well memorized that, like, it's just exciting when my favorite parts come on. <laughs> so in in trying to, to be fair to the movie and recognizing its sometimes glaring flaws, uh-huh. I'm going to give it a 4.5. I think I'm a 4. I like the movie. I like the movie plenty. It comes on a lot. It's a great movie to put on the background while you're like playing board games or doing other stuff. It's a mm-hmm. great movie for that. 
So I think I'm a four. That's fair. Perfect. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's a movie that would be improved by some more female influence for sure. <laughs> yes. Some more people of color for, for sure. sure. Oh fuck yeah. Uh but uh you know, it it's also one of those movies that for sure is the influence for why I am the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> My sense Same. of humor is on display in this fucking movie. Like, yeah. One of my favorite parts that we didn't really talk about is when they're on the boat and uh, she jumps out to try and escape. And he's like, do you hear that, princess? It's the shrieking eels. And then he stops the, the, the book and he's like, she does not get eaten by the eels at this time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you because you seem very upset. Yeah. <laughs> Shit is like that's me right there. Oh, and, and then, then when it sh- comes back and it's it's the narrator's voice, not the yes. character's voice. Do you hear that, Dream Princess? Those are the shrieking eels yes. that kills me every time. Oh my god, it's shit like that that freaking kills me. I <laughs> maybe he's just out for a lovely night swim in eel infested waters. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me right there. So okay. yeah, this movie. What do you think your recommendations would be then? So I have two and they are probably admittedly mostly based in nostalgia for me because they give me kind of the same warm fuzzies. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, one is The Never Ending Story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also have not seen The Never Ending Story. Oh, that is a travesty right there. Um, and then the other one is The Labyrinth. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Same vibes. Yes. Same vibes for it, sure. It's not so much a story thing or a romance thing it is very much a feeling. Yeah. What you got, Wigs? So I also have two recommendations. Uh, one is uh, to genuinely go read the book, The Princess Bride. And that makes sense. It's obvious, but like also it kind of needs to be said. Like I think a lot of people don't realize that it's based on a movie or it's based on a book. And the book is really funny. It really is. <laughs> it's genuinely funny. It has a lot of the same problems that the that the movie sure. has. So like go into it with open eyes on that one. But um, it's it's... Very meta, very like, am I like, what am I reading? Am I reading the story or am I reading like this quasi story? It's anyway, my second recommendation is mostly for the humor um, is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, hells yeah. Oh, sure. Very similar vibes in my opinion. Um, I'm honestly surprised neither of you said Robin Hood Men in Tights purely for the humor. Uh, you know, I can't name all of the things that are good. <laughs> you got to do some work yourself. <laughs> yeah, I have a list. <laughs> no, I meant like the viewer oh, or listener. Okay. Thought you meant me. Um, my recommendations would be Ever After. Sure. Oh, yes. Um, And then Ella Enchanted, if you wanted a slightly more modern spin on it. Also, isn't our hero the villain in that one? Is he not? Not that I remember. No. Am I totally... What movie are you thinking? Are you thinking of the oh. Anne Hathaway movie? Yeah, no, he yes. is. Yes. Is he? Yeah. Yes. Carrie Ewells is, is the, the bad guy. The bad guy. Holy Alan shit, Chanted, he is. is. he not? Yes, no, he, he is. is. Okay, 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 okay. I, I wasn't thinking, like, when you said our hero is the bad guy, I was thinking, like, the hero of Ella Enchanted. I was like, the hero of Ella Enchanted is Ella. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hero of this movie... Yeah. Is the villain. Is the yes. villain in that movie. He is indeed, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's so what I got for you. As a villain, that's the way to go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, 
Well, that's what we got for you, folks. So if you liked this episode, you could find us out on the socials at Wrong Dust Jackets, primarily on TikTok and Instagram, or you can find us out on our website at wrongdustjackets.com. Uh, we really would love to hear from you. So please give us a like, a review, a rating. Uh, let us know your thoughts or what you would like us to read or watch next. That's what I got. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye now. Bye.